We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packer fans welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl you can follow the podcast at pack a day podcast thank you so much for joining me today I hope you found a way to cope appropriately over the weekend. I hope you're feeling a bit better today. I know that these things as Packer fans are not exactly easy, even though we've been, you know, tempered to go through these type of heartbreaking losses over the course of the last 30 years with a couple of Super Bowl wins mixed in, which can't be waxed over. But overall, uh, like I said, I hope you're doing better. I know, uh, it was, you know, Sunday morning, I woke up and literally not, there wasn't a moment, the smallest measure of time, there wasn't a moment between the moment that I woke from my sleep and the immediate thought in my head was the Packers lost to the 49ers in the, in the divisional round game. Like there wasn't a moment's difference. So uh, I'm sure many of you had similar experiences where maybe you couldn't sleep or it was just a frustrating day, hard to watch football. Um, there's a lot of different stages of grief when dealing with a team that legitimately had a chance to win a Super Bowl and came up short without winning a single playoff game in very embarrassing fashion. So hopefully you are doing better with that today uh, on Monday than maybe the Sunday treated you. But overall, we're back. We're ready to move forward. We're ready to turn the page. It's It feels like, you know, it, it feels like yesterday's episode was like the season finale and now starts a new episode where we start to really turn the page. And before you know it, we'll be in, you know, well, there'll be new coaches. Coaches could potentially move on. Then we'll be in free agency and free agency will be crazy. And then all of a sudden it'll be the draft and it'll just go warp speed. And before you know it, it'll be rookie mini camps, mini camps, OTAs, etc. So before we get there though, wanted to quickly talk about some of the games that went on on Sunday. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, whenever the Packers are playing in the playoffs, I always want them to be in that Sunday finale. I want them to be in that game because that means I can enjoy all of Saturday's games. I can sort of keep an eye on that Sunday, you know, the first game on Sunday before the Packers kick off. It means that technically there's only five teams that can win the Super Bowl left by the by the time that game kicks off. But more importantly, I can enjoy all three of those other games first and not have to worry about, you know, the the Packer game. 
And in this one was almost the exact opposite. For me personally, I didn't get to see much of, of Titans Bengals because I was, well, one, I had my son's soccer game, but then two, I went right to the stadium and started prepping and doing things there. So I didn't get to see much of that, unfortunately. Then of course it's Packers 49ers. And then there's the hangover effect of that game of, all right, you, you, you know, you're still dealing with the loss of that. One of the last things I want to do some of the, you know, in some of those occasions is, is watch football. Thankfully, both of these games were beyond tremendous. And and if anything, for me, it, it helped me turn the page a little bit um, just because you realize that, you know, even after a devastating Packers loss, my goodness, is football amazing. And that Rams-Bucks game, I mean, man, the Rams did everything they could to choke that game away. And the Buccaneers come back and tie it. And then the Rams answer adversity. And let's just be real. It's what Green Bay couldn't do, right? 10-10 game. 49ers just came back and scored that that touchdown on the the block punt. They got the ball back and had the opportunity to go downfield and win the game and overcome adversity. They couldn't do it. The Rams had the same scenario, different circumstances and to some extent. Certainly the weather, certainly uh, that was more of an offensive game, but had the opportunity to go downfield and win the game. Plenty of time remaining and Green Bay couldn't do it. They couldn't overcome adversity. The Rams move on because they could. The Packers do not move on because they could not. And that's been something they've had to deal with over the course of these last three seasons where it was loss in the NFC Championship game, loss in the NFC Championship game, loss in the divisional round of the playoffs. So that is going to be something that they have to do a better job of. I thought they did a tremendous job of handling adversity all season long, handling injuries, depth concerns, players playing some of their first snaps, either as rookies or like a Yash Nyman playing his first legitimate snaps. Like I thought they did a great job of handling it through the season. They did not do a great job of handling it when things hit the fan against the 49ers. And that's something that they're going to have to learn from moving forward. And of course, that Buccaneers-Rams game, was that Tom Brady's last pass, last game as a NFL player? Time will certainly tell on that, and we will have to wait and see. But as I think Al Michaels stated, I think it was Michaels, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I, I think in the you know in the final game um, or, or in the first game, like both both of the quarterbacks, right, Brady and, and Rogers, who are top of the MVP, are you know their futures are in question, and that changes everything in the NFL if that would all of a sudden happen. Now, if both come back, who knows? But also saw the stat that this will be the first time in 12 years that not one of either Brady or Aaron Rodgers was in a championship game in the same season. So 12 years it's been since that's happened, which is beyond crazy. And then we moved to Chiefs, Chiefs Bills, excuse me, and arguably, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest games in NFL history, back and forth. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were nothing short of magical. Gabe Davis, four touchdown performance. Tyree Kill was completely himself and just an, you know, video game player in that game. It was, I mean, what else can there possibly be to say? And just as I was feeling great about football, of course, we get to overtime and a coin flip decides who gets the ball first. I don't want to hear about like, well, the defense has got to stop them. It's not fair. It's a million percent not fair. And it's not fair for, and you know, you want to know how it's not fair? It's not fair because the team who receives the, or gets the coin flip receives every time, every single time, and they have an advantage over the other team. So the, the, the team that gets the coin flip as, as there's no question about it, is that an advantage? And, you know, I, we would have all been probably betting that if the the Bills got the ball, they probably would have went down and scored. And if the Chiefs got the ball, they would have went down and scored. 
It was just what it was. But I'm not going to let that sour the fact that that was just a beyond phenomenal game. Yes, the Bills had opportunities to get out of that game. They are going to kick themselves forever for how they tra- covered tra- or didn't cover Travis Kelsey on that last play uh, before kicking the, the game tying field goal. But what a phenomenal game. And again, I think it's going to go down as one of the, the very great games in NFL history. Uh, I can't, I, frankly, I'm excited to watch it again at some point. And I think the, the NFL, especially the AFC right now, is in some tremendous hands. Even if Rodgers and Brady step away, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, those four quarterbacks in the AFC should make some serious magic for years to come. If the, Especially if the Chargers can get everything right around Herbert, those, those four teams, and if Burrow can get pass protection, look out. Those could be some just beyond epic AFC matchups in the playoffs for the foreseeable future with those four just unbelievable studs at quarterback. And we get to see another one next week in, uh, in of course, Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, which can't wait for. But final four teams, it's going to be 49ers Rams, and then it's going to be Bengals and Chiefs. So I think both of those games should be pretty darn entertaining. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Before we get to some grades and talking a little bit more about the Packers and the 49ers, one of the things I I mentioned on Twitter and that I wanted to bring up is the story of Darren Rizzi. Some of you may know that name. Many of you probably do not. Who is Darren Rizzi? He is the special teams coordinator for the New Orleans Saints, who led the fifth best special teams unit in New Orleans this past season and has been a highly successful special teams coordinator throughout his career. Rewind to 2019. Green Bay and this organization got a lot of things right in 2019, specifically with hiring, with moving on from from Mike McCarthy and hiring Matt LaFleur. There was a lot of moves that they made to get that team back in contention and everything that that, the organization as a whole did in that off season was pretty incredible to get them back to the point of having opportunities to go win a Super Bowl over the course of the next three seasons. Those opportunities did not pan out. 
but the opportunity in the window was opened by Brian Gutekunst and, you know, Russ Ball and everyone within that Packers organization, you know, especially from a front office standpoint. And they hit a lot of things out of the park. But one thing that they missed on egregiously was Darren Rizzi. Darren Rizzi came in and interviewed for the special teams coordinator position and was the favorite for the job. And apparently, according to the stories and reports at the time, he was the favorite to get the job and Green Bay lowballed him as a potential coordinator option. And he left town with no contract and that was the end of it. And instead they hired Sean Menenga, who had two unsuccessful seasons as special teams coordinator before Mo Drayton took over. And the special teams has been an unmitigated nightmare and has been was no question the reason that they lost in a division round game in an all-in season. And these little moves on the margin that maybe don't seem like a lot at the time can mean everything. And it just goes to show you how difficult everything is. Like everything matters. The special teams coordinator you hired in 2019 or didn't hire in 2019 because you wanted to be a bit more frugal, allegedly, reportedly, at that position changes everything. David Bakhtiari's injury prior to the 2020 playoffs misses the 2020 playoffs the entire 2021 season, basically, besides uh, what you know, 27 snaps in Detroit in a meaningless game, and then misses the playoffs in 2021 2022. That injury derailed one of the best offensive lines and what in what probably would have been another offensive line, a great offensive line this season. Elton Jenkins injury, another huge one this year. Like these, you know, and of course, Bakhtiari's injury is not like a small thing on the margin, right? That's a major thing. Same with Elton Jenkins. But you go through and you can build these stellar, amazing teams. The the decision to move to Stephen Wordle, which was a disaster. He was not a good snapper. And in the moment that you needed him most, he couldn't block Jordan Willis. And it resulted in a block punt that lost you your season. You can have the MVP of the league at quarterback, depth for days at running back, depth at offensive line, the best receiver in football, a, you know, fearsome foursome as a pass rush coming back at exactly the right time. Devondre Campbell, first team all pro. You find Razul Douglas on the practice squad. Adrian Amos at safety. Jair Alexander comes back. Eric Stokes, you hit on huge in a, with a first round pick. You can get all those things right. And because you didn't get a, a long snapper, and because you couldn't hire the right special teams coach, everything falls apart at exactly the wrong time. It is very difficult to win in the NFL in every little move, every little detail, everything around the margins that may not even seem like it could mean something, means something. Now, who knows? Maybe Darren Rizzi gets here and just the, the special teams culture is so toxic that not even he could get anything done. But I would have liked Green Bay's chances to be, you know what, if they're the... 25th best or you know 25th ranked special teams instead of the 32nd they probably win a divisional round game maybe have a better season overall and are probably set to play the rams at home for the nfc championship game this week everything matters and this offseason there will be a tremendous and i mean a tremendous amount of moves that are going to take place and as i posted on twitter there are plenty, and I mean plenty of players who may have taken their last snap in Green Bay. And those players, and I want to be very clear here. I want to be very, very clear here. Some of these players will be back. They are not going to lose all of these players. But I can say that going down this list that I'm about to talk to you about and read to you, 
There's not one person that I can point to on this list and say, I feel really good that they're going to be back. Like I would be willing to bet money that they're going to be back. Not one, not a single one. Now, salary caps an issue. We're going to cover this all as as time goes on with the podcast and me on the video. Uh, we'll, We'll get into much greater detail. But the list of players that aren't certain to be in Green Bay, who could have played their last snaps in Green Bay, includes and is not limited to Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Billy Turner, Dennis Kelly, Lucas Patrick, Dean Lowry, Preston Smith, Zadaria Smith, who, by the way, basically put on Instagram that he said basically said goodbye to Green Bay. That that one's very much writing on the wall. Whitney Merciless, Razul Douglas, Kevin King, Chandon Sullivan, Devondre Campbell, Adrian Amos, Mason Crosby, and Corey Bajorquez. And just really quick, Aaron Rodgers, they're going to, ha- of course, have to make a decision on, and he could retire. He could demand a trade. All those things are in play. And they could just, they could want to trade them based on wanting to rebuild. That's a possibility as well. They could want to go with Jordan Love. Who knows? Devontae Adams, free agent. Randall Cobb, they, they cannot keep his contract as is. So if he's not willing to restructure, they're going to have to cut him. Mark Wasveldis Scantling, free agent. Tunyon, free agent. Mercedes Lewis has a contract that they're probably not going to want to keep on the books. They're going to have to either restructure him, release him, uh, and it's very, very within the realm of possibility that he could retire as well. Billy Turner, they have cap savings that they could save by releasing him. Dennis Kelly's a free agent. Patrick's a free agent. Lowry, very similar. They can't keep him at his current contract in all likelihood. Probably are going to either have to restructure or potentially release him. Preston Smith, same thing. Zedaria Smith's a, uh, Zedaria Smith are going to have to release. Like Again, Z basically already said goodbye. Whitney Merciless is a free agent. Razul Douglas is a free agent. Kevin King's a free agent. Shannon Sullivan's a free agent. Devondre Campbell's a free agent. Amos, they'll have to make a decision if they want to keep his contract. Could have some savings if they want to move on. Mason Crosby could retire. Also, they're not going to keep him at his current contract. Would either have to look at a restructure. My guess is he probably retires. Um, or they may have to release him as well. And then Corey Bohork has a free agent. All of those players, legitimately, I cannot look you in the eye and say, I feel really good that this player, who name any of the ones I just named, that they're coming back next year. Not a one. Now, again, zero doubt about it. A handful, at, probably, probably about a handful of those players will be back next season. Which ones is almost impossible to predict. And we have to live with the idea that this is going to be, with the reality that this is going to be a very different Packers team in 2022. Now, as I was talking to uh, Perry Goldstein and Rachel Hotmeyer and, and Maggie Loney and a couple other people throughout the course of the day, I think there's ways that Green Bay can keep this team together. I think you could see you know, a situation where maybe you've got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, Aaron Jones and Dylan at running back. You know, your wide receiver is, you know, maybe Lazard and, and maybe you get back MVS instead of Adams. Like you've got a, a tight end, you know, I think you could potentially get Tunyon back cheap coming off of an injury along with DeGuara, where you've got, you know, Bakhtiari at left tackle, John Ryan Jr. at left guard, Josh Myers at center, and then probably Royce Newman at right guard, and then Elton Jenkins when he's ready to go at right tackle with Yash Nyman probably filling in until Jenkins is ready to get back. I think maybe you could get back like a Whitney Merciless and Rashawn Gary at edge with Kenny Clark and I don't know, maybe, you know, TJ Slayton, Tyler Lancaster along the defensive line. 
Maybe, maybe you get a Devondre Campbell back to team with Chris Barnes. I think that's less likely, but within the realm of possibility, maybe with like an Eric Stokes and a Jair Alexander at corner and Amos and Savage at safety. I think that, you know, grouping together with moving on from everyone else and not being able to add anyone, having some major depth concerns and just, you know, your draft is going to be filling in all the holes everywhere else, trying to maybe get a wide receiver to team with Lazard and MVS and, and Amari Rogers in that situation. I think there's a possibility that you could do something like that, but this team is going to be significantly weakened from where its strength was at the end of this year, especially with guys coming back and they couldn't win a playoff game with that team. So they're going to have to make a major decision if they want to go in a completely different direction. Their books are brutal for the next few seasons because they are going to need to sort of refigure everything out. Now the cap is going to go up exponentially. And, and you might say like, that's an easy answer. Like the cap eventually is going to go way up. So keep borrowing from the future. You can say that, but there will ultimately be teams that have not borrowed from the future or who have balanced their books first. And even and when you borrowed all of that, like you can still sign guys and stuff, but now there's going to be handful of 10 other teams that have way more money to spend than you and might be able to build a better roster than you. So, and oh, by the way, some of those quarterbacks like a Justin Herbert might still be on a rookie deal while you've got, you know, potentially paying Aaron Rodgers and also still paying a Jordan Love. So needless to say, I would normally around this time look, you know, look you in the eye and, and talk to you guys uh, for those listening to the audio version and say like, these are things that I feel pretty good about. And these are things that like I'm pretty certain about and, and here's some question marks. And I could probably label those things in most seasons pretty easy for you. The new year is a great time to focus on what's important to you. Whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness, HelloFresh is here to help you with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. Personally, I'm really trying to work on my weight this year, and when I found out that HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to my door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week, I was all in. Skip the trips to the grocery store, saving you long wait times and ensuring you don't waste your money on excess food, and sign up for HelloFresh instead. HelloFresh has helped me eat fresher food with better portion control and has helped me live a healthier lifestyle. I highly recommend the teriyaki chicken tenders, by the way. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Packaday16 and use code Packaday16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Packaday16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember to use code Packaday16. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
at this point in time, this could domino in a million different directions. And it starts with Aaron Rodgers, because if Aaron Rodgers wants to be gone or retires, it changes the calculus of everything and everything dominoes from there. Devontae probably wants to go play somewhere else and compete. And again, Green Bay then very quickly decides that it probably makes a ton more sense to rebuild and not go midway and like try to put a good team around Jordan Love and go win a Super Bowl that way. It just doesn't make sense. Like balance your books, rip the Band-Aid, probably have a losing season, get better draft picks next year, and then go from there. And then sort of rebalance everything and build it back up. That's not a bad thing. That's what you should do in those situations is rip the Band-Aid rather than the worst thing you can do is go lukewarm. It's the absolute worst thing. Going halfway, midway, lukewarm, whatever you want to call it, is is the one way that you can completely nuke your franchise because that's your classic Jeff Fisher, you know what, seven and nine BS. You just can't live that way in the NFL. You better give me an A or give me an F. You better be awesome or you better be bad. And I, I do believe breeding, you know, or winning breeds winning. So I, I mean, I, I do think there's some some takeaways to, to trying to compete, but I think for Green Bay, going halfway in this situation doesn't make sense. Either if, if Rodgers is back and you want to go in that direction, nuke the future and go all in one more time and try to win it. And just know that you're going to have to probably eat two to three years after that of just brutal cap situations where it's going to be very tough to rebound. But if you want to do that, fine, then just do it. Go all in again. Uh, or rip the Band-Aid and move on from Rodgers and go in a different direction. But where Green Bay goes with that right now, near impossible to say. All right, let's break down the offense in that game. I, I had the opportunity to go through on the All-22. It wasn't fun, I promise you, but this is what I do. This is what I enjoy doing, and this is why hopefully you listen and watch is because uh, even when nobody else wants to go watch the tape, I'm going to go watch the tape, and I'm going to tell you what I see. So I think, first of all, the, the offense, after those first couple drives, just felt so disjointed. And give, give San Francisco credit. They had... Their uh, match zone concepts in the secondary were phenomenal. They they were really, really good. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Meanwhile, Fred Warner was unbelievable. Nick Bosa had a nice game. They were able to get pressure with four. And when you can get pressure with four, have great coverage on the back end and still stop the run with keeping your two safeties deep, you're, you're going to have a tough day defensively, especially or tough day offensively against a defense like that, especially when it's cold, conditions aren't great. That's going to be a tough ask. However, Rodgers, to me, as I went back and watched this, never got in a rhythm and just was not seeing the field well all game long. Even those first couple drives, even when he was hitting some of his checkdowns and completing some passes, he was missing opportunities to hit deep on numerous plays. He just missed, missed opportunities. And that continued to happen later in the game, which we'll get to in a moment. There were times where he got very happy feet in the pocket despite having perfect protection, which is not something we've seen from him. We did not see him play on rhythm and on time. We did not see him play within the structure of the offense. While San Francisco's defense was good in this game, there were answers on the on the majority of plays that Rodgers could have found had he played within the structure of the offense more often than not. I, I, I don't know that I can say this with certainty, but it almost felt like San Francisco said, we're not going to worry about Josiah DeGuara, especially in a checkdown capacity. Like there were multiple occasions when DeGuara was a checkdown option or was literally the design of the play. 
and Rodgers just didn't go there. And it was almost like San Francisco knew he wouldn't go there. And I don't know if they saw something on tape prior, but there were some answers to what the defense was providing in Josiah DeGuara. And of course he hit one of them and DeGuara dropped it. So that's a piece of it too, which was a brutal play in that game. But Rodgers just wasn't Rodgers. When when he needed to check it down, he was looking deep. And when he was, you know, when he needed to throw deep and had opportunities, he was checking down. And the last two plays of the game were, I think it was the worst two back-to-back plays he's had in, in all season long, maybe even in, in two seasons. The throw to Cobb before the last throw of the game for him was a, arguably should have been a pick, maybe even a pick six. Like they could have lost the game right there. It, un, you know, just completely inexplicable decision by him to throw that ball, throw it late, throw it where the corner had an opportunity to pick it off. And guess what? Josiah DeGuara, wide open on a check down right in front of him. He's got a throwing lane. He's got Cobb and DeGuara. DeGuara's wide open. And on the left side, he decides to throw inside to Cobb, who broke late, was not expecting the ball, and had the corner anticipated that just a bit better. That's a pick and maybe a pick six heading the other way, losing the game in that fashion. I guess ultimately a loss is a loss, but that would have been beyond brutal. And, and Rodgers put, you know, put a ball in a situation to potentially end up that way. Then the very next play is a play that they have run all year long. Two verticals with a deep dig underneath it, a deep in route underneath it. Two verts, deep in route, and they got exactly what they wanted. And the underneath 49ers defender completely bit on the outside and Alan Lazard came wide open. And I mean wide open. And it is the design of the play is to go to Alan Lazard. I want to be very clear here. The design of the play is set to go on a deep in route to Alan Lazard and convert on that play. They got everything they wanted. San Francisco brought two safeties from deep on a very aggressive play call. They were late on the blitz and both got picked up perfectly. There was no pressure on the play. He had a perfect pocket and Lazard, again, who the play is designed for. I can tell you that with certainty. Like I can tell you that that play is designed to go to Alan Lazard. And he doesn't even look there. And he predetermines a throw to Devontae Adams in double coverage, gives him no chance to make a play. And the rest is history. If he hits Lazard, I think at worst, I think at worst Lazard gets to the 49ers 40 yard line. And I think he maybe gets beyond that. But I think at worst, he at worst, worst, the 49ers 45. Either way, he gets into San Francisco territory first, you know, first and 10 Green Bay with an opportunity to go down and win the game. And he just, he didn't go with the design of the the play, which happened all throughout the course of the game. So that being said, my top three players in this game, and number one, Pro Football Focus and I vastly disagreed on. They had him, I think, as their third worst player in the game. So in case you're ever bored and uh, you want to judge either myself or Pro Football Focus, uh, Josh Myers in uh, against... um, the 49ers in the divisional round is a, a good debate because I had Josh Myers as the number one overall offensive performer in this game. I thought he was mostly stout against the run, you know, not great against the run, but mostly stout, but I thought he was great in pass protection. You know, I, I think maybe one or two plays that graded in the negative with any, you know, any real, you know, issue. But overall, I thought Myers played great. I thought it was one of his best games of the season. And I thought, he, again, he was the best offensive lineman. I, I thought it was a great game for Myers. So, Again, if anyone wants to go and watch a full game of Josh Myers, get back to me, reach out to me on Twitter and let me know if you agree that 
Profitable with Profitable Focus that he was one of their worst players, or uh, with me that he was the best on offense. Aaron Jones was number two. The the play that is just gutting me still is the deep ball before halftime to Aaron Jones. If he catches that in stride, it's a touchdown, and I think that's game over. I think that's dagger. I really do. And for whatever reason, and it's really tough to tell. I can't tell if if Rodgers just missed on it slightly, or or if like. Jones just throttled down to really make sure and, and sort of catch it. But for whatever reason, Jones had to throttle down to catch that ball. And if he if he catches that in stride and doesn't have to throttle down, he's gone. He's gone. It's a touchdown. It's 14 points at half and in completing in complete control of that game. So that's a game that sticks with me. But Jones had an awesome game. I thought he played really well. He had a couple missed blitz pickups late in the game. There was one pretty bad one, which is why his grade wasn't higher. Um, and of course, there just wasn't a ton of running room. But early in the game, he was a, a key, key performer for them, uh, certainly on that first scoring drive. And then uh, again, got them set up in field goal position before halftime and uh, you know, it ended up being a blocked field goal. But Aaron Jones was very important to, to what they were able to do on offense. And then number three was Devontae Adams, who didn't have his greatest game, but came up clutch with a couple big catches and was double covered the, the majority of the rest of the game. So I thought there wasn't much more that Adams could have done given how they covered him and still ended up as the third highest graded Packer in this game. Bottom three, as you can probably guess for me, number one was Aaron Rodgers, which also Pro Football Focus agrees or disagrees with. They had him much higher. I, I just think you go back and watch that game and see the opportunities that he had and not hitting those. And you can say, well, like, well, Andy, the pressure, the pressure was an issue at times, there were a lot of times that it wasn't. I thought the offensive line actually held up in pass pro much better than I thought they did. Uh, there were definitely times where they did not, and some of those sacks were legit. But through the course of the game, uh, I thought they actually held up better than what I expected going into my rewatch on all 22. Uh, but Rodgers was the lowest. Mercedes Lewis was number two for obvious reasons. And then Dennis Kelly, again, Pro Football Focus and I very much disagree on this one as well. They had them as one of uh, their top players. I don't know how you can have Dennis Kelly as one of your top players. And this, I've been huge, huge, huge supporter of Dennis Kelly. In fact, I was a huge supporter of Dennis Kelly before he even got to Green Bay and said that that was a free agent at the end of free agency that they should go and target. Uh, so I love Dennis Kelly. I thought he had a rough game in this game. Some of that's just Nick Bosa. Um, but the play before halftime where Rodgers gets sacked and fumbled, uh, that was a direct correlation to De uh, Dennis Kelly completely biffing a block, which could have led to a huge turnover. Now, in hindsight, they had the field goal blocked anyway, so it wouldn't have really taken points off the board, but that was a major sack and what could have been a huge turnover. And then again, down on the goal line, also had the huge false start penalty when they were second and goal from the five and had the opportunity to punch it in and get another touchdown. His false start pushed him back and they were never able to re-get uh, any momentum off of that and just weren't able to execute and ultimately had to settle for a field goal there. So those were two big plays. And even outside of that, I thought it was a below average game from Kelly. So again, if you want to judge that as well, keep me posted and let me know if you think I got it right or if, if PFF got it right. Oh, what else do we want to discuss? Um, really quick, one tweet that I sent out, and I'm sure maybe I'll talk about this in more detail throughout the course of the week as well. But when you don't win a Super Bowl, legacies are affected, right? And then I, when I tweeted this, it, it got misconstrued a little bit and understandably so because I sent, I, I worded it terribly. But I said people like Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams, their legacies were affected by not winning that game and not going on to a Super Bowl potentially. And, you know, when people heard like 
Devontae's legacy was affected. I'm not saying that Devontae played bad. Devontae played great. Like he, he couldn't have done much more in that game. So no, I'm not saying like his poor play affected his legacy. I'm just saying that a Super Bowl victory, if they could have gone that far and done that, would have changed their legacies. It would have changed their stories as people look back at their careers. But those player, those people that I just named in particular, not getting a Super Bowl, I thought Gutekinds is probably the most affected, but Rodgers is as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some legacies that will be affected. There's jobs that will be lost. There's players who will be cut. And there's going to be some changes based on the result of that game. It's a it's a huge moment in the history of the franchise. And what happens next is going to be so utterly important. And I hope you keep it here on the Packaday podcast as we break it all down all off season long. Really quick, two other very fast things. Number one, Vernon Scott had a very interesting season. Was You may not know this, Vernon Scott was on the 53-man roster all season long. They could have moved on from him at any time, even in the, like the last week, right? Like they had to release two players to, to activate what Merciless and uh, and uh, Zedarius Smith. Like they could have moved on from Vernon Scott at that point. They didn't, but he didn't play a single defensive snap all season long. And he only played 17 special team snaps. Henry Black moved past him in the off season. Sean Davis moved past him once they picked him up and added him off the practice squad. Like Vernon Scott could not get snaps, could not get activated on defense or on special teams. You would think if like Sean Davis is beating him out and Henry Black's beating him out, all right, they probably don't like him that much. Um, maybe just move on and release him and see if you can get him back on the practice squad. But they basically gave him a redshirt season. So that tells me that they have a belief in Vernon Davis, uh, excuse me, Vernon Scott, that, that he can eventually be something but just is not there yet. And they've done that with Yash Nyman in the past. They did that with Alex Light in the past. They did that with, to some extent, you know, Tim Boyle in the in the past. And we saw this year with Yash, it paid dividends. So it's clearly a player that they have some level of faith in that they did not want to move on from him or subject him to waivers, but they also did not feel comfortable putting him on the field at all. So a very interesting year for Vernon Scott in that capacity that he survived the entire year but only played 17 total snaps and all on special teams all season long and just couldn't get activated. Last but not least, Green Bay will officially pick 28th or at least own the rights to the 28th pick in the first round of your 2022 NFL draft. Whether they select there, trade the pick, trade up, trade down, who knows, but they will start off with the 28th pick in the 2022 NFL draft. That will do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate you. As always, I will be right back here tomorrow on the YouTube channel. Meanwhile, we will have a brand new audio episode for you tomorrow as well. So make sure to check that out. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.